I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello, fellow guardians and all who are out in podcast land. This is Steve. Guard Dog Steve, and I'm here with a new friend, or a friend that's new to the podcast. Let me introduce my buddy, Jack. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve, for having me on the podcast. I'm uh, really excited to talk today about you know some important subjects. I've been looking forward to this for a good amount of time. Amen, amen. In this podcast, we are going to talk about... Yeah, I mean, we we really should talk about the similarities between our religions, you know. For people that are listening that don't know me, uh, I'm a Jew, I'm half Israeli, I'm Jewish, and this is obviously a a Christian faith-based podcast. Steve, that I know very well, is a devout Christian, and we're very close, we're like family. And so I feel like it would be good to talk about our religions. You know, I go to a Christian uh, faith-based university as a Jew, what that's like. We can talk about the similarities uh, between my religion, Judaism, and Steve's religion, Christianity, and how do we reconcile that relationship that we really should have a strong relationship. So how do we reconcile the history? I'm half Israeli, so we can talk a little bit about the Holy Land. Uh, what does Israel mean to me? What does Israel mean to our religions? Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be really good to talk about Awesome. Awesome. You know, the first question I want to ask you is, how is it going at Palm Beach Atlantic for for you being a Jewish person going to a predominantly Christian college? Yeah, I think when I first, you know, told people that I wanted to go there, the response was kind of like, well, you're Jewish and you do know it's a Christian, it's a Christian faith based school. And I said, well, yeah, but, you know, there really shouldn't be any, I shouldn't feel out of place there. You know, at the end of the day, uh, we're all humans. We all believe in the same God. So there's no reason for me to feel any different or any uncomfortable. And I really, I really liked my first semester there. I had a lot of friends that were great to me. I had a lot of important discussions at the school. And obviously there was a little bit of conflict, some legalistic values and some different ideals. But I really enjoyed my first semester there, and I'm lo- I'm looking forward to going back. I I know you have. You've told us. And- <laughs> There's been some. There was definitely some interesting discussions uh, when it came up with the topic of Jesus and uh, how, as a Jew, you know how we view Jesus and how Christians view Jesus. Uh, there was definitely some heated, some tense arguments. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call them arguments, but there were some tense discussions with with some legalists that you know that weren't 
it was not easy to, to listen to or to talk about, but they were important. And, you know, I would say 90% of the, of the people that I met there were welcoming with open arms and there was no problems at all. So you did meet other people other than legalists. Yeah, of course. Uh, I would say most of the school isn't legalist. I had the opportunity to meet a handful amount of people who were legalist. And like I said, those weren't the best conversations, but they were awkward. Yeah. They, the legalists <laughs> didn't know how to how to talk to you. Did no, they? no. It's it's a hard conversation with legalists at PBA. And it's not I wouldn't say it's their fault. It's just how they're raised. And there's nothing wrong with that. They wholeheartedly believe in what they're saying. And yeah. they believe they're helping you. But yeah. I can imagine what they said. It had to be so offensive. It's offensive. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to... I didn't sit there and cry about it because I chose to go to a Christian university. I specifically knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, whether it was 10 people, 100 people, or 1,000 people, there's going to be people who, who say to you as a Jew, you're going to hell or you're a Satanist, or or you killed Jesus. You know, people who just don't know basic history. Mm-hmm. Or people that are too stubborn in their beliefs to, to read Scripture. And even if they read Scripture, they can't interpret Scripture. They don't understand the Scripture. Uh, Yet they're, they're so dogmatic about... Yeah, I actually wanted to do a almost kind of like a Q&A at PBA's chapel this coming semester to kind of talk about Judaism, because I'm not even joking... Some people at PBA, I'm the first Jew they've ever met. And that's kind of crazy. I mean, like, it's just kind of nuts. You know, like the fact that they've lived 20 years and they haven't met a Jew before kind of goes to show you, you know, there's not that many of us. So I think it's important to educate some people at PBA about the similarities in our religions and especially the ones who are legalist to kind of, you know, tell them like, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, we don't need to continue the dogma of Jews are going to hell. Like we can have a good conversation and respect one another without throwing out something that crazy. Did you end up parting ways or did you reconcile and tell us more about reconciliation? I mean, I don't want to ever, I learned my lesson from when I was younger. I don't like to, you know, just get angry. And if I don't agree with something then I want to talk about it and, and see if we can find a middle ground I remember a distinct conversation I had with an individual and, and their partner. I was actually sitting at the campus Chick-fil-A. They're very legalist and they're, and they're very good people at the same time. I really respect them. I think they're great people. But the conversation was, was kind of awkward. You know? Mean? Not in their eyes, mm-hmm. but it, <laughs> it, wasn't it, ni- it wasn't the nicest thing in the world to, to hear you're going to hell and the scripture says this and this is what it is. and. You try to bring up talking points such as, well, why haven't you interpreted the scripture? You know, in Judaism, rabbis interpret scripture. And, it, and it's kind of funny because those same people at Chick-fil-A, like they almost picked and choose what they want out of the scripture. So some of the bad things that the scripture specifically says about homosexuals or certain things, they kind of pick and choose the Jews go to hell versus the stoning, the adultery. So... Yeah. They kind of pick and choose what they want. and Were, were they fairly familiar with, with the Bible? Yeah, they. Uh, I think one of them is actually, what's the study of, of theology? Theolo- yeah, theology? to be a yeah. theology. Theology major, uh, like biblical studies. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of respect for that. 
And uh, it was just a weird conversation, but I'm still friends with them. Oh, good. Good. We good. actually played intramural soccer together for the rest of the for the rest of the semester. Oh, awesome! So awesome. you know, it, it doesn't determine a, a friendship. Yes, I would say keep reaching out to them because they've got a lot to learn, and they 100%. can learn from you. Okay, Jack, let's move on a little bit. Well, let, let me ask you another question. What do you think the similarities are between? Jewish people or the people that you met, Jewish people and Christians or the people that you you met, what what do you think you had in common with the Christians? Well, it's I mean everybody knows that knows history, knows that, you know, Christianity stems from Judaism, you know, the first It does. I can't say that loud <laughs> enough. It does. If nobody else will admit it, I'll I'll let me jump up and down and say it. it there would be no Christianity without the Book of Judaism. Moses and the yeah. Torah and the prophets. Yeah, and I think that it's overlooked, you know, that the the first, you know, the five books of Moses are a, a key part of the Bible as a whole. I think it's a little bit overlooked, um, but there's so many similarities between us. Just as people, we all strive for the same goal with God. We all want to live in God's image. We all want to do good for people. Uh, we all want to have good relationships in our life. We all want to be healthy. We all want to treat people with kindness that treat us with kindness. So tell people what a mitzvah is. Oh, so a mitzvah is a mitzvah is a really important part of Judaism. In Judaism, we have the Ten Commandments that are I mean, in Christianity, the Ten Commandments, it's just the Ten Commandments in general. We have, you know, the Ten Commandments, but we also have little commandments that God wants us to do called mitzvahs in English. We call them uh, mitzvot in Hebrew. And there is 500 plus mitzvot or 600 614. plus. 614. 600, yeah, it's something, something crazy. Basically, it's what can we do on the daily to help people? How can we, how can we do good for the world? Uh, what can we do around us to to do these mitzvot? It's kind of like a six hundred each mitzvot, and some of them are so tiny. You know, mm -hmm. I remember I saved. I once picked up a turtle from the middle of the road and brought it across the street, and like that's basically a mitzvot. Yes, like that's a mitzvah. You know, holding the door for somebody is a mitzvah. You're doing good for somebody, and you know, donating uh, tzedakah, which is donations, that's a mitzvah. So there's. There's so many mitzvot. I like it when you use the Hebrew word, so keep, <laughs> keep, keep doing that. But, yeah. So it, it's an act of kindness. It's an act of kindness, yeah. It, that's, basically, that's basically what it is. And I don't know if it's – I'm not entirely sure if it's specified in the Torah or if it's in the Tanakh, which is the Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, which is the Torah, the writings and the teachings, or the teachings and the writings. I can't remember which word is which, but – Basically, the Tanakh is the full book of Judaism. So I can't remember if the mitzvot come up in the in the writings and the teachings or if they come up in the Torah, but they're there. And for all the Christians out there, the Tanakh is part of our Bible, too. So yeah. he's not talking about <laughs> it a, a different book. <laughs> it's actually the book we all read. Yeah, it is. Psalms and Hebrews and all of the rabbinic literature... Uh, that's in the that's in the New Testament and in the Bible is a lot of it is in the Tanakh. So again, there's just another similarity uh, between 
Christianity and Judaism. There's just so there's so many similarities that people get so caught up over the the Jesus the Jesus. I know it's a big one, but you know the Jesus thing is really what people get caught up about, and it's kind of a shame because we have so much in common. You know, Jesus's Last Supper was a Passover seder, so. There's just so much Jewish tradition Jewish, 101. I mean, Jesus was Jewish. Yes. So it's kind of it's kind of a shame that some people choose to to break off relationships or friendships with it when we have so much in common. Because of something that happened 2000 years in the Two, past that neither none of us none had of, anything to do with. None of us had anything to do with it. No. Why none sh- of us. why should we none of us had anything to do with it. And and the, and the decades and the, and the millennials following it just it didn't there should have been a reconciliation and there wasn't uh what happened 2022 years ago is nothing that should have affected a thousand years ago or 800 years ago jews and christians with all of our similarities we don't have a good history which is unfortunate it is we should have a good history but we don't have a good history and the reason that i like to talk to people christians is because we should we should really reconcile. We should really have a relationship oh, as I Jews wish. and Christians. Oh, how there is a lot of it taking place. <laughs> yeah, but the, there needs progress. to be a lot more. There needs to be more, and it's there's there's hundreds of there's hundreds. I mean, even thousands of years. There's a thousand years of of, of Christian persecution against Jews, and there's no reason for us to still have those beliefs. No. And there's no reason to for for Jews to look at Christians different. And there's no reason for Christians to look at Jews different now. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it just doesn't make sense. And to tell the truth, it, it's the legalistic camp from both sides that causes all the friction. Yeah, it is. I would say I you're right. The the very very the very orthodox Jews won't hang out yeah and they won't even hang out with me Mm -hmm. you know my mother was not jewish right she converted they won't even consider me jewish the orthodox jews it's kind of funny us reform or conservative jews even the 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 hasidim we don't the very orthodox jews we don't really like that much they are very 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 legalistic but i will say something i see more secular and conservative christians be legalistic than i see reform and conservative Jews be legalistic. There is a disproportionate amount there. You'll meet people who aren't priests or rabbis that or that aren't priests or that aren't very even religious, but they're just so legalist. So I, I would think everybody would be proud to have you as a Jewish brother because you're a shining example <laughs> of what a, a, I don't know a Jewish that. how a Jewish person should walk. Yeah, I, that's nice. I mean, that's that's it's nice of you to say. I uh, no, I mean, there's just no reason for us anymore to have any sort of problems. We we need to reconcile. I mean, even if it takes a, a thousand person get together, mm-hmm. five hundred Jews, five hundred Christians, both legalists, mm-hmm. uh, there needs to be a, a reconciliation, and there needs to be a better understanding of the history too. Yep, there yep. just needs to be. It would help. Yeah, it, it, it would help because there's just certain things that some people don't know about the history of Jewish persecution under Christian leadership. And 
if we understand the history, we can reconcile. Yes. We'll never understand why it happened or the reasons for it happening, but we know how it happened, where it happened, when it happened, and how we can fix it. And to put it in the past. Put it in the past. Bury that hatchet. Yeah, it, it needs to be buried for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, as a Bible nerd myself, I can show where all the verses are that the legalists camp out on and everything like that. Yeah, the biggest one is definitely John 3.16. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I hate to say this, but I am sick of hearing John 3.16 thrown yes. at me mm-hmm. when when I say I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you can't, you know, and the shame is that the more they throw it at you, the legalists, the less seriously you take it. It loses credibility over time because they just don't understand. You, like, I just don't want to hear I'm going to hell and then when I ask why, you point to John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. That's not a reason. It like isn't. it's it's not a reason. Mm-mm. I need a logical, emotional, human reason on why you have just decided God is sending me to hell. Yes. Other than John three sixteen. Right, because all they know is John three sixteen <laughs> and what the microphone or the pulpit shows them. They they don't actually read the Bible for itself, but for themselves it's kind of a shame because it's a beautiful verse and i respect the verse um i respect the verse it's a it is a key verse in the new testament it's an important verse it's very famous it's a shame that it's gotten the reputation it's gotten at least in the jewish community a lot of legalists will send the christians to hell over john 316 and following the rest because right after that it, it, it talks about a judgment. It defines that judgment too. And to be honest with you, the the judgment is good news. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like I said, I respect the verse. Uh, it's, it's, it's so important. It's so famous. We just gotta, we gotta understand it better. I, if I go back to PBA this next semester and someone points out John three sixteen and tells me I'm going to hell, I probably will just walk away. Yeah, uh, I did it last semester. I'll do it again next semester. I just, I just don't have yeah. time. Just you know? bite your tongue and I be just, cordial. <laughs> exactly. I just, I just don't have time to talk about it anymore. Yeah, but yeah. So we got to reconcile. Yes, that's yes. the bottom line. Yes. Well, then let me ask you this question, Jack. What was something that stuck in your mind during the first semester that would be relatable to? the Christian Judaic interactions. Yeah. So what would be, what's a person or a subject that we should talk about to reconcile? The first one that I want to talk about is Martin Luther, the German, the, oh, yeah. the German Re- reformationist. Yep. Um, not the civil rights leader, okay. Martin Luther, the religious person okay. from okay. the 1500s. Okay. So we should, Say a few. I should say a few things about Martin Luther just to make sure everybody's familiar with him and what he did, because in Christianity he is probably the biggest shaker of all Christian history. He he is a guy that used to run out in the snow naked and flagellate himself <laughs> and do everything trying to stop sinning. He did that for years until finally he got a hold of the passage in Romans that says, 
the just shall live by faith. And it dawned on him that the passage was saying the just live by believing in what Jesus did for them, not putting their confidence or, or their determination to obey the Mosaic law. He literally freed millions of Christians from the bondages that they were in because at that time, people were getting beat up so much by a commandment mentality that they were, they were going insane and they were being put in insane asylums by the hundreds. And it was all because of that, you're not measuring up to God's standards. God would be disappointed in you. And so many people felt the, that burden that they literally broke down and had to be put in asylums. And Martin Luther noticed all that, you know, and he set those people free by doing his his actions. By doing yeah, his, by yeah. nailing his thoughts to the wall of, of a Bible, of a, of, of a church. Yeah. And he spread what's known as the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. And it changed Christianity for the better. So he did, he's got that going for him. Yeah. He obviously is a, is a huge, I mean, you just know the name. I mean, people are named after him, yeah. you know, for years. But he was far from perfect. Yeah. Uh, he he has a very, people don't know this, he has a very anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Judaic past and history. So and, I've learned. And I remember walking into the PBA chapel at Palm Beach Atlantic my first semester, and I turned to the left to see a not-so-familiar face, and I read it, and it was Martin Luther. And I said, Martin Luther? And I did a little bit of research, and Martin Luther wrote a book called On the Jews and Their Lies, which is a 65,000-word anti-Judaic and anti-Semitic treatise. Basically, in the treatise, Martin Luther argues that Jewish synagogues and schools be set on fire, their prayer books destroyed, rabbis forbidden to preach, homes burned, property confiscated, they should be killed, they should be expelled, and he called them poisonous envenomed worms. The book had a huge impact in the rise of Nazi Germany. That's actually an excerpt from his book. It's, it's an excerpt from his book. Could you read it to us word for word? This is what a historian said, found out about Martin Luther. They should be shown no mercy or kindness, afforded no legal protection, and these poisonous envenomed worms should be drafted into forced labor or expelled for all time. We are at fault in not slaying them. So the same guy... You know, this is why I say we need to, Christians and Jews need to understand the history. There's, there's a history here. Martin Luther, a very important man for, for, the, for Christian history and the Christian religion. But I walked into that church the next time, the chapel, and I looked over there and I gave him a mean eye. Uh, I, gave, I, it, I gave that statue a mean it, eye. Yeah, he yeah, wanted me yeah, dead. Yeah. He wanted me dead. And his book influenced the people that killed 12 of my family members. Oh, in gas chambers. Personal, yeah. So I don't think that's cool. I don't know 
there needs to be an understanding of history. Why is he in the chapel? I understand why, but that's just not the right should, thing to do. That part should be brought out too. Yeah, it's because just it not would be right beneficial for the people who act <laughs> like that. They exactly. It would be beneficial for everybody. There's nothing wrong with understanding the history and having a statue of him, so long as people know the history. Yeah, and people don't know. That he wanted Jews dead and killed. I tell you what, if if he was standing by my side and we were talking to another group of people and he said what you just read off the pages of that book in front of me, I would disown him. I would say, it's I horrible. want nothing. To, I denounce you. I don't condone what you just said. There's just no Take excuse. Take it back. There's just no excuse. And there's absolutely no, there's no, there's no, it's unforgivable. It's unforgivable that it influenced the, the murder of millions of, of my people, of, of our people, of us Jewish people. Of which and you're talking about and family members. I'm talking about 12, 11, 12 of my family members died, burned alive or gassed. And there's a statue of him mm-hmm. in a chapel? Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Why? Right. He, he, he wrote a whole, like... That's just not cool. Like, I, I will say, us Jews don't have a statue of the rabbi who wanted Jesus dead. Right. It exists. It's a parallel he was, he was a rabbi. Yes. Yes. And he did want Jesus dead. And some of the scholars and the Jewish rabbis wanted Jesus dead. That's part of history. Mm-hmm. We don't deny that. But we don't. That's in the past. We do not. We do not look to that. We don't worship them. We don't look at them as good people, even if they did do good things. Yeah. Martin Luther should not be looked at as a hero. He got a lot of trouble started when he did that. He just should not be looked at as a hero unless you understand everything about him. Everything. Yes. The good and the bad. The good and the bad. And he definitely was not going according to scripture when he said those things. He had to be ignoring so many specific verses to say something like that, that... It's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for him. It's not a good look on your legacy. No. Because I look at Martin Luther in a bad light. I'm Jewish. I don't feel the effects of what he did for Christians. I feel the effects of my small family in Israel because 12 of my family members died because his book had a huge impact on what Nazi Germany thought about Jews. Yeah. I don't think of Martin Luther as a good man. And I walk by that statue and I want to break it. It's a horrible statue to have in a chapel. And as a Jew, uh, this sound might sound funny, but I don't feel comfortable. I feel I feel comfortable in some churches and some chapels. I don't feel comfortable in the PBA chapel with a photo with a, not a photo, a statue, a stone statue of Martin Luther. Just looking like it makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. I mean, the guy wanted me dead. Yes. So it's just a weird, weird, weird thing to have. It certainly is. It. It, that wasn't a good time, time period. No, it wasn't. It it wasn't. Yeah, not not for not not for Jews at least. But okay, so let me ask you about this time period now, up in the modern day uh, planet that we live on. Tell us what Israel is like. <laughs> wow, I mean, there's just not enough words to describe Israel because. First of all, because of how much news coverage it gets, which I think is a little bit unfortunate. 
um, the first thing that most people, when they hear Israel, uh, that they the first thing they think of is Middle East terrorists, bombs, guns, and that's sad. You know, I mean, I actually have people every week that I talk to that ask me, "Is Israel safe? Can I go to Israel? Am I going to get bombed in Israel?" No, you're not going to get bombed in Israel. Israel. With modern-day America, I'd rather be in Israel with my safety. And I'm not even lying. I'm not even joking. It's with, got better statistics. With, with the way that this country's going with some violence, I'd rather live in Israel. Uh, I'd rather take my chances over there. It's incredibly safe. It's incredibly well-protected. And it's just an amazing place. I mean, there's just no way to, to explain how diverse Israel is from top to bottom in a country that's smaller than the state of New Jersey. It's just so diverse. It, it, it's really special. And I recommend anyone go and take a trip over there, religious or not. We'll get into the religious aspect a little later about Israel, but on a non-religious aspect, it's just a beautiful place. And the history is crazy, and the beaches are amazing, and the mountains up north are great. It's just so diverse, and for, anyone should go. For my wife and I, it is on the top of our bucket list. It should be for, and I don't even mean this lightly, it should be for everybody. Any religion, non-religious, it should be a top bucket list for anybody to go. It's just just a special place. And it's always the center of attention. Always. The I, whole world <laughs> is in it, tune it, with Israel You can't believe constantly. just there are people on social media mm-hmm. who go dormant for mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. And in the minute anything in Israel happens, they criticize Israel. It's like, where have you been the last year? Oh, good to see you're back alive now that Israel's mm-hmm. back in the news. Yes, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, Israel gets Israel. Israel is easily the country with the biggest double standard in the world, and it's just not even comparable. And I'm not going to get into politics, but it, it's kind of it's kind of funny how big the double standard is with Israel, and it's always in the news, and they always talk about it in a bad light. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy because that actually increases anti-Semitism in this country, and it raises ratings. And, though and unfortunately, well, and, it raises yeah, it, ratings. It raises ratings, but the the anti-Zionist, anti-Israel sentiment has a direct tie to anti-Semitism with the with the rise of anti-Semitism in this country. Anti-Semitic attacks in New York, I think, were two hundred percent. Were up two hundred percent last year. I wouldn't want to wear a kippah. On my head, if I was in the subway right now, it's just kind of crazy. And it yeah. doesn't even matter what side of the political spectrum. Both sides have people that hate Israel. And that's a direct tie to people just finding an excuse to hating Jews. So uh-huh. it's kind of sad. I think it, it, it does have a lot to do with the media. It does. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story that happened to me once back when I was a lifeguard, uh, a manager gave us a tractor to rake the seaweed that comes up on the beach. There's an inordinate amount of seaweed that comes up on a beach day by day, and we had to bury it with shovels. This guy got us a, a, a trailer, so we wanted to do a mitzvah for him, and we bought him a plaque, and we presented it to him, awesome. and we let the the news come to see us give him a plaque. It's awesome. 
until you understand what the news people reported, they reported that many people at this place, this business, are hurting their backs. Unbelievable. And the whole story was about how this business was hurting people's backs. <laughs> he, he got us the, the, the tractor because it was tough on our backs, yes, but that wasn't the story yeah. no, until you mix it up with the news. Yeah, and, I mean, talking about Israel and the news, there's just not... There's not a worse relationship I've ever seen in the media in Israel. I mean, they'll do anything. They'll do anything to, to make Israel the bad guy. I mean, it's kind of insane. I mean, social media will too, you know. People my age don't know the facts. They've never been there. I think it's funny when people who have never been to Israel uh, really think like they're a middle, like they're an Israel-Palestine expert. It's kind of funny to me. They've yeah. never been there. They've never been. They don't have family. It's true. And unfortunately, it's hard for us to empathize with yeah. the, the goings on, but let, let me segue into a, another another thought. But I just wanted to understand how Israel is be behaving spiritually, or, or how does Israel walk with God these days? I think that, like most countries, I think Israel is becoming. A little more progressive by the year but Israel is still the Holy Land and nothing will ever take that away from Israel I mean Jerusalem is still Jerusalem it's the most it's just you you step into the old city and it's just you you just feel something different special it's a great place and you feel like you're in the presence of God and you just feel full it's kind of weird it's kind of hard to explain if you've never been there but Jerusalem is so special. Tel Aviv is more progressive, but there's there's still a bunch of people who are religious in Tel Aviv. Shabbat is still not that many people on the roads on Shabbat in Israel. The Sabbath is a big part of Israel. So Israel still walks with God great. Israel is still the Holy Land. And uh, it's, it's cool to see. Good deal. Good deal. I tell you, whenever I get there, when I believe I'll literally be able to feel the atmosphere in the air in you Israel. You will, especially Just when you get spirit. to Jerusalem. Just the spirit must be so alive there. Jerusalem is so special. Tel Aviv is a great city, mm -hmm. but nothing comes close to Jerusalem in terms of just the history, the religious aspect, the Holy Land. It's just so different. I mean, and even Bethlehem, which is in the West Bank, and uh, Nazareth. I mean, I've been to Nazareth. I've been to Jerusalem. They're just so beautiful. What's it like to be at the Wailing Wall? <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's just nothing like it. It's just, it, it is it's just so special. Truly? Just, I mean, it, like, I feel safer at the Wailing Wall than I feel under the roof of my own home. Mm -hmm. It's just so special. I have such a great story from the Wailing Wall that I, that I would share, that, that I want to share. Okay. I remember being in Jerusalem the last time I was in Israel which was in 2018. Now, I got to go back, obviously. And I was with my friend, Martin Blanca. Martin, if you're listening to this, love you, buddy. And I was, with, I was with my father, and we were at the Wailing Wall late at night. It was dark, like nighttime, I think 8 o'clock. And there's people there praying. I can't remember if it was Shabbat or not. Maybe it was. And a man that was, you could tell he was disabled. He was, he was disabled. He came up in a wheelchair, 
And he went up to my dad and he said, Adoni, Adoni, which means like, my Lord. It's like a very nice thing to say to somebody. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, do you have any money? Can you help me? And my dad gave him, you know, a lot of money for Israel. I think it was like 300, 200 shekels, a lot of money for Israel. And the guy was so grateful and he was so thankful. He was, it was, we were crying. Me, my dad and, and Martin were crying our eyes out. And that's just a special moment that I'll never forget in Jerusalem at the Wailing Wall, crying with my father and one of my good friends, helping a man that needed help, doing a mitzvah, doing a mitzvah, doing mitzvot, doing what God put us on earth to do, which is help people. So it was just such a special moment. That's a great story. The Western Wall is special. You got to see it once in your life. Lord, if only you are willing, because I'm willing to go to Jerusalem. I'm dying to. Maybe we'll go together. Amen. 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 Hey, Jack, let me ask you a question. What would you like to ask the Christian community or the modern day Christian community? Wow, that's a really good question. Wow, that's a great question. I would say I... I still have trouble wrapping my head around some aspect of the Bible in terms of why do I see Christian and even Jewish people that have Rolexes and drive Bentleys and and they just don't help homeless people. You know, we got we got homeless people out here. We got lots of homeless people. We got addicts. We got people that need help. And we got churches and temples with huge ceilings and and colored glass and and gold chandeliers and space, unused space. We got people out here that need a home, that need to sleep somewhere. Why don't we let them stay in the temple, in the church? Why don't we? I mean, my temple makes lots of money. Why aren't we building a center, not donating, building a center? and housing people that need help. That's what we're supposed to do. And it's the same with Christians, you know. There's huge churches. They take up blocks in New York City. There's homeless people out here. People need a home. People need food. Go out and help. It's kind of, it's not even a Christian question. It's more of just a, a religion question. Why don't we help more people, especially people that have so much money? Like people at my temple on Palm Beach, they pull up to temple in a, in a Rolls Royce and they don't help somebody that's poor. Like you have 30, 40, 50 million dollars and this guy has nothing. Like he has actually nothing. I don't care how he got in that situation. You got in your situation because you're blessed. He's not as he's not as fortunate. He's not as blessed. Help him. Jewish, Christian, Buddhist, help him. And it doesn't even matter what religion you are. You know, I know the original question was about Christian community, but this is about, it's not even a Christian question. It's about every every community. And yeah, it does have to do with religion as well, because people go to temple and go to church with a lot of money and they don't help anybody. And it's kind of a shame. Like, how do you even sleep at night? You have a hundred million dollars and you won't give somebody five bucks? 10 bucks, 20, $50. If they take it and drink it, they take it and drink it. But you got, they don't have anything. Like 
we have to be more generous, especially if we're religious. I mean, how does God look at us? I definitely don't have that much, you know, I don't have the financial freedom some other people have, but I feel guilty walking by somebody and not giving them something. I feel so guilty in my heart. I feel so guilty. If I don't have any cash on me, I just feel guilty. If I don't have water or I don't have something, I can't look, I just feel so bad. And so I don't understand how us as Jews or us as Christians, how if you have millions of dollars and these churches have millions of dollars and these churches have billions of dollars, how there's still people hungry in the streets. I mean, how, how, and how can you go to temple in a Rolls Royce and sleep at night and you don't give somebody on Flagler Drive, 10 bucks. I don't, I don't care what they do with it. Give them it. Yeah. You have so much money. Right, right. It, I, it's a shame. I do believe that Christianity right now in the year 2022 has enough money to stamp out all poverty if they would do it. It's not only Christianity. It's Judaism, too. Mm-hmm. We have so many temples. I mean... I go to a temple that makes a lot of money and I asked the rabbi, I said, rabbi, when I love my rabbi, great guy, I said, rabbi, what are we doing with the millions of dollars that this place makes a year? He said, well, we do a lot of work for the local community at the homeless shelter. I said, we have millions of dollars. We're not doing enough. I drive down these streets. I see these people. We could be doing more. There's no way that the whatever million dollars that this place is making a year is going all to that. Build a center. We got millions of dollars. You can build a center and house people. There's no reason. Jack, I'd like to take a stab at that question um, from the Bible's perspective, showing both the Old Testament and the New Testament, show kind of an answer for it. Yeah, I'd love to hear one because I can't wrap my mind around it. Okay, okay. Um, There's this passage in, in... 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and it says this, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participating in the support of the saints. And this we did not expect. And it, it, it goes on. Yeah. Paul is saying that they didn't even believe that this could happen. That it yeah. wasn't on their mind. But they said about the, the Corinthians, you gave of your ability and beyond your ability to give. The, the question is, did they have credit cards back then? I just, I just, yeah. I mean, they gave beyond their ability. People with $100 million won't give someone $2. No. It's no. just so insane to me. Mm-hmm. And these people win humanitarian awards. Yeah, they do. It's they like, do. I mean, they buy humanitarian awards. I mean, awards. it's just insane. I mean, how can the president of the United States, a millionaire now after he's out of office, win humanitarian award? Yeah. What is he doing that's humane? Yeah. Like, how? They, they the, the givers, a, a lot of times, are doing it. Because it's better for their company if they do. And, yeah, and these people, you know, presidents and millionaires, they show up to church. They show up to temple. And they just don't give. 
let me just illuminate how profound a statement that exactly. was that it said they gave of their ability and beyond Amen. their ability. Uh, exactly. They didn't have the ability to take out loans or <laughs> use credit cards. Yeah, there was no credit cards. No. Back then. When when it says they gave beyond their ability in the new covenant, in the New Testament, the Christians believe in and rely on and depend on the power of the Spirit of God that is within them. And that passage is saying that they gave of an ability that surpasses human ability. As it should a, be. A human with a human nature. That's for, Yeah. And the human nature is just the sum total of all self-preservative instincts. That's what our human nature is. Yeah. Bible answers it. You, you give. You give whatever you can. You give to what's comfortable. You give beyond your ability with your emotions and your spirit. Like, you just give. Yes. And what this passage is, is saying is even without them saying, you got to give, you got to give, you got to give, which is what the prophets of old said the Levitical priesthood always says you've got to yeah. give you've got to give there's a, and they weren't getting credit with giving enough yeah there's because a because uh, they weren't giving enough yeah it's been an age-old problem but when he says you gave beyond your ability he he's actually making it known that they gave beyond the human potential to give it went beyond that it went it was the spirit that caused them to give. And that is what causes all these rich people to give. It's the spirit of God influencing them and causing them to give. If they're just in their own human natural state, they, they can't give the money. They, they won't do it. Yeah. It's just something that I can't, I do understand the Bible and I and I do understand where that's coming from it's in specific to that passage and they're right I mean you know if you if you have and that's why I think that people that go to temple that don't give you're not you're not Jews you're just in, you're an imposter Jew I mean I a sincere hypocrite I mean I mean seriously I mean the the, fun, the funny thing is that in Judaism there's a you're supposed to give 10% of your salary to 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 tzedakah which mm -hmm. is do donations. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if the millionaires that I see at Temple, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking like, like I might be in the bottom three, I might be in the bottom 3% of, mm -hmm. of South. I mean, I'm going to be the bottom 1%. These people make millions. Imagine if they gave 10%. Jesus had a rich young ruler come to him and say, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he said, do all the commandments. And he, the guy said, oh, I do all of those. And then he said, sell all that you have and give that money to the poor and come and follow me. And it says the guy walked away sad. And the disciples asked him, that's very hard to do, Jesus. Can anybody do this? And Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God inside of you, you, you could do what the rich young ruler couldn't in his own natural state. The guy could 
give give up his money. The spirit of God in him could give up the money, though. It, it's yeah. it's why we don't give the way we think the church should. It's because of our our human nature. Just can't 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 do it. It's too yeah. bent on preserving itself. Yeah, it's it's a shame with both with every, almost every religion. But you know, talking about Christianity and Judaism, it's something that's got to be addressed. It's something that's got to be brought up to people that run churches and temples that make millions. These temples make and churches make millions. There's no reason why we can't do more. I mean, there's just no reason. I, you cannot give me a good excuse. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in that's Mal- the bottom line. In Malachi, God asked them through Malachi, "Would you rob God? Why are you robbing God?" He was, he was talking to the Levitical priests that were receiving money from the people and then misappropriating it. I mean... And he says, you're, you're robbing me. I, I just... Some some parts of, of churches and temples just aren't godly. They're just evil. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that that's one part of it where we, we don't give hardly enough of what temples and churches make to people that really need it. And I also think it's kind of crazy that if a homeless person walked into my temple, they wouldn't be allowed to pray. What? Mm. What? Mm. And, mm. And, and, and it's like that in, in not only in temples, in churches too. Oh, I know it is. I mean, you got to... You're speaking you gotta, to the Christians gotta, as well. I mean, I used to get weird looks for, for coming to temple in a, in a collared shirt and jeans. God doesn't care what I wear. God doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care about your financial status. It's ridiculous. This is not the red carpet, the Met Gala. I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm there to pray. I'm not there to flex on people. Like if you, if if you want to flex, just don't believe in God. Calvary Chapel is a denomination, so to speak. It's a chain of Christian churches. They, they've probably got over two thousand of them by now. But what started Calvary Chapel was one of the pastors invited a bunch of homeless people into the church, and they said. They got to go. And the pastor said, I'm going with them then. Uh, And he went and ministered to them. And it started a church that now has 2,000 different buildings. That's great. helps the homeless. That's great. And 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 that's so so commendable, you know. And I'm sure that there's Jewish organizations that do this. But if there isn't, like, we we, we have to start. Mm -hmm. We have to start. And I know that there's not that many Jews in the United States you know, there's only 13, four, there's only 13 million in the world. There's only six, seven in the United States. We need to start. And even if it's a Jewish guy who does churches, mm-hmm. like there's no reason why we can't be doing more as Jews, why Christians can't be doing more as Christians, especially if you have insurmountable amounts of money. You know, if you're struggling paycheck to paycheck, you got to take care of yourself first, always. But if you have insurmountable amounts of money, like these churches do and these temples do, there's just no excuse. All right. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? Would you close us in prayer? Yeah, I'll close Would us in mind? prayer. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Jack. Father God, thank you for the talk today. Thank you for the roof over our head. Thank you for the ability to be here. Thank you for the health in my life. Thank you for the friends and family that I have in my life. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. We love you. Thanks, guys.